just cold out. We were out there last night wondering where the apple cider was and the pumpkin pie. And uh, everybody was kind of ready to go back to work today, so that's okay. Psalm 71 and verse 17 and 18 says, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. And verse 18 says, Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have shewed thee strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. And tonight, the title of this message will be The Things I Have Learned Through the Years. So tonight I give you the scripture, I give you the title, but I'm not going to preach the message. Because I haven't been around as long as these guys have. So what we're going to do tonight is they're going to, both Brother Chuppy and Brother Jones are going to kind of tag team this, and they're going to teach on the things I have learned through the years. And I believe that these men of God, just like David, desired to show this generation, this next generation, the power of God. Amen. So, Brother Chuppy, if you would come. Let's just get behind these guys tonight and let, let the Spirit of the Lord be heard. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. God's good, isn't he? Well, I don't know about Brother Jones, but I feel a little cheated. Um, Jesus at least got the whole book. We get a half hour. <laughs> so I have a lot of verses. You can be seated. The, the, the text has been read. I mean, this is like, you know, they said in the scripture it says that Jesus' experience and the things that he did on earth couldn't be contained in all the books. And he wants us to put ours in a half hour. So I'll try to highlight some things and then I got to turn it over to Brother Jones and This isn't even, this isn't in my notes, so this is uh, free. It's right straight from the Holy Ghost. One of the things I've learned in my ministry and I've learned before that is that I could not be saved without a pastor. And you can't be saved without him. And if he's not your pastor, go find one. Because you have to have a pastor to be saved. And when I say have a pastor, I just don't mean he's some figurehead in, in your life. 
if he's your pastor, you follow what he says. If the Lord Jesus is your Lord, you obey him. You follow him. And so you need a pastor. And God has ordained Brother Paulson, the pastor of this church. I had the distinct pleasure and honor to serve as a pastor here for years. And uh, you've been a great church. And my hope is that everyone in this room makes it. That everyone in this room walks through the gates of heaven. Everyone in this room hears, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Sometimes living for God can be kind of tough. We get, the Lord will correct us. Sometimes the pastor corrects us. But we need that. I don't want to hear everything's okay and it's not. I want to know. And so, you need a pastor. That's one of the things I've learned. And I'm so thankful that I had Brother Walters as my pastor. Um, to give me direction and guidance. So one of the other things that I've learned through the years, and these things that I'm going to talk about, these next few things, are, and even the first one, needing your pastor, um, it took me years to acquire this belief and this knowledge and to understand it in a greater way. So when I first came into the church, um, I didn't realize that I needed a pastor. It took me a while to learn that. And the next thing that I wanted to touch on was some biblical concepts. And the first one, or the second one now, is patience. Patience. It took me a while to learn patience. Um, and I still don't always have it down. Um, And tribulation worketh patience. That's what we don't want to hear. We don't want to go through tribulation to gain patience. Um, but the scripture says, in patience, experience, and experience, hope. Um, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. So we're waiting for heaven, we're waiting for the appearing of the Lord, and we have faith that it's going to take place, but we wait with patience. I'm not sure what we would do to speed it up. I mean, there's nothing we could really do to speed that up. Um, 
but we wait with patience. <clears throat> Romans 15 and 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So we have, um, according to this verse, hope comes from patience and through patience and through the comfort of the scriptures. How many, I'm just curious, how many feel like you've improved in this area of patience since you've been in the church? I didn't see too many hands, and I saw one hand was shaking. <laughs> like, maybe a little bit. <laughs> Tribulation will work patience. So you go through a trial, it's going to work patience. I found that out. There's things I couldn't do. There's things I still can't do. But as I continue on in life, I have to have patience. Hopefully wait. I'm hopefully waiting for God's healing. Uh, but this is something that we really need to be concerned about, that we have patience. You see, patience is going to affect all of our life. It's going to affect our relationships. It's going to affect witnessing to people and working with people and not necessarily taking a club of the scriptures and hitting them over the head. But it takes patience sometimes. You know, he says we're fishers of men and uh, our pastor and our evangelist, Brother Jones and I think Brother Leroy, they went fishing the other day. They, did, they caught a few fish, but they didn't catch a lot of fish. Um, I would imagine they'll probably go again someday. That's patience. You have patience when you're fishing. You're just kind of there. Unless you're good like Lee Ray and you can hook a dead fish. <laughs> At least he didn't get skunked. So we need patience in dealing with people. I'm thankful that Brother Walters and the church had patience with my wife and I. As we, went, we came to church and it was eight years later that we finally got in. It was a little slow. And so I'm thankful that people had patience. They continued to pray for us. They talked to us when they'd see us out, in the, out and about. And uh, patience is so critical. Patience will help your anger. And, you know, 
Anger is kind of a lack of patience. You kind of blow up and explode. And, um, so, and it's, I believe it's a lifelong endeavor to learn patience. I don't think we ever truly arrive in the, in the area of patience. Maybe some have, but I haven't. Um, but I'm striving that for that. I want that in my life. You know, I used to, you know, there, if there was a conflict in the church, I, I'm not big on conflict. I don't like conflict. And so I would stay away from it. But I would stay away from it just because I didn't like it. But my pastor taught me to avoid conflict because of patience. Giving God a chance to work and giving God a chance to do some things and for the situation to maybe resolve. And I, I've seen in my ministry, I saw it in Brother Walter's ministry, a lot of times things would resolve because of his patience. There's, you know, sometimes, some people have the personality to just jump in and tackle it right away and face off with it. Um, that's not me. Um, I think I can safely say that not too many of you have seen me angry. And that's me trying to learn patience not to let it get away from me. Um, patience with one another. Because we're all human and if you had a family and you had brothers and sisters, if you're anything like my family, there were fights. I was the oldest and the biggest so I always won but Yeah, they might argue a few of those, but. The next, and these three, these last three are pretty closely related. Um, the third one's compassion. Compassion. That's something we, need to learn through the years. Compassion will make a difference in people's lives. Compassion will touch hearts. Um, my wife and I met We met a lady at, down in Rochester at Mayo Clinic. And I don't even remember some of the details, but she was there for cancer treatment. And her sister came with her. They were from Montana. And they were there and they hardly had any money. They were 
pretty much completely broke. They had, she had used up a lot of her finances paying for her treatments. And we visited with them, we prayed with them. Uh, and I turned to my wife and I said, write them a check. I don't remember, it was a couple hundred dollars or something like that. And I believe that right now, if we drive out to Montana and knock down their door, that I could teach them a Bible study. And my daughter Kristen made quite a connection with them. She's been in contact with them. Um, but it was compassion. I was moved by compassion. And I don't know about you, but I just get a real blessing when I give. I always carry, well, maybe I shouldn't say this. Let me hide my wallet. <laughs> I always carry, almost always, a couple hundred dollar bills in my wallet. And I rarely spend them on myself. If I need a little spending money, I just go to my wife and I keep that $100. <laughs> she makes all the money in the family and I got to go to her for my allowance. But giving people help financially speaks volumes to them. You, you know this story, I've told you. Some of you don't, but most of you do. The, the waitress at Ruby Tuesdays, her name is Mercedes. And I was there teaching um, the ministers, and we, I was teaching them to seize opportunities. I think there's about five of us there. And I heard our waitress who was Mercedes, she hollered for the manager. And it was kind of a, an alarmed call for the manager. So I looked up and I looked over there and she was starting to shake. And the manager got there and she said, I'm starting to have a seizure, would you get my medication? So he ran to get her purse. I jumped up and ran over to where she was at and she was sitting in a booth and I said, I'm a pastor and I'm going to pray for you. And she kind of looked at me like, what? So I prayed for her. Before the manager got back, her seizure ended almost instantly. And that was having compassion. When Jesus healed, he had compassion. You can read the scriptures. And a couple years later, she had a child, and the child had some medical difficulties, and she had to take it to Mayo, and she didn't have the finances. I handed her one of those $100 bills for gas. You know, she will come running to say hi to my wife and I whenever we step into that restaurant and she's there or out in public. And someday, she's going to walk through those doors. Someday, just because of me being able to learn compassion. Listen, when I came into the church, I was pretty selfish. 
but I really feel like I've learned a lot of things in this area. Um, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious and long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. We need to try to emulate our God. We need to try to be like our God. We need to have these attributes. Ro uh, let's see. Uh, in First Peter, I believe it is, 3 and 8, it says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. This is talking to the church about having compassion between us. And we're, we're actually required to have compassion towards each other. And some have compassion making a difference. Having compassion on people is going to make a difference in their life. When we have, I can't remember where we were at. I think it was either here at a conference. We had a missionary come in and they had their building destroyed in a hurricane. And I asked him, I said, how much to rebuild? They could rebuild their church for $10,000. said, okay, we're going to build your church. We'll send you $10,000. <laughs> Compassion. Giving to missions is compassion. Sister Danny, that church that we gave money to, to to buy property, they haven't forgot that. Aren't they always commenting or texting you or emailing you? Compassion makes a difference. I don't know. The Lord taught me that fairly quickly to give. Um, you know, it's what's so funny is I was selfish. I didn't have a lot. And as soon as I started, started giving like that, my finances completely turned around. There's a man from Grafton, um, Brother Mike. He came to church and he was financially in a very hard spot. He lost his car, he lost his house, he lost his wife. And he started tithing and he started giving and he got a hold of giving. He was always giving, always ready to give. And seven years later when we left Grafton, he owned the convenience store. 
You see, God blesses compassion and giving. Um, God's a giver. I can't remember who it was. I don't know if it was you or Brother Robinette. Someone. They were praying and, and uh, of course they were givers and, and uh, they asked God about something and about giving something and he said, no, you have giving down. You know how to give. This is what I want you to learn now. I'm going, Wow. Wow, I know for a fact giving blesses you. Brother Gabe, have you been blessed by giving? You want to hear a story about giving and being blessed, just talk to Brother Gabe. Giving. I mean, it's, Compassion, concern for people. Oh, Brother Jones. And then there's mercy. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's been teaching me mercy. He's really opened my eyes. Because if I want mercy, I have to show mercy. I have to forgive. In fact, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. I had a man come to me and confess a sin. And in my younger days, I might have got upset with him. But God had already spoke to me. And I said, don't worry, it's forgiven. It's gone. Show mercy. You know how good that felt? When I looked at him and I said, you're forgiven. I'm not going to hold that against you. And God delights in mercy. God is rich in mercy. If you're having trouble with mercy, just ask him for some. God, help me to be merciful. I guess the things that I've learned over the years here have taught me to be a soul winner. Patience, compassion on people. You know, I always taught my girls. I, I remember one time we were in a restaurant and there was a guy in there that, and you know today, you know, you, you'll see people that are maxed out weird. And 
one of my girls started to say something negative about him. And I said, stop right there. He doesn't know Jesus. Talking about patience, and compassion, mercy. Scripture says they will know us by our love, one for another. If we have these things towards one another, they're going to know that we belong to Jesus. They're going to know that we're in the church. We live in a world of rudeness and meanness and hate and evil. We need to have compassion and mercy. That's different. The world doesn't understand it. It's so unusual to them. So in closing my portion of this, it's something that we really need to work at. I pray that and you're living for God and uh, that you learn some things. That you learn some things about where God wants to take you and things he wants to show you. And, and that message on Sunday about being broken, that's where it's at, man. Because you've got to break yourself well to have those. Otherwise, you're going to be concerned about yourself all the time. Well, Lord bless you. I hope this helps someone. Brother Jones. I was like powerful, man. I, I was in tears. If that didn't move you, there's something wrong. That will keep you and bring you to heaven. I, I really can't add anything to it. That was just so full. Let us stand, if you will. I, I just feel that there is some move of God in this place that we need to just entertain right now. Do you agree? Let's just do that. Let's just thank him. Any, let's just worship, pray, whatever you want to do right now. Let's take a few minutes. Heavenly Father, thank you. Let this God just absorb into my whole being, Lord. Ah. Come on, pray in the spirit right now. There's some deep things. Amen. Pray in the spirit. Let God move and minister. Come on, let it absorb into your being, into your soul. 
church, there are those in this room who are troubled in your spirit. The answer lays before you, but yet you have turned your face away. I have given you the messenger, and I have spoken to you through your pastor also. I have asked you to be broken, and I am asking you to have compassion and mercy and patience. You will look for the answer, and your spirit is troubled, and your answer is there, but you ignore it, because you are not broken. You are full of pride and arrogancy. You must fall before me, or I will fall on you. What you see to your eyes is deception. And you must go to your pastor. The answer lies there. Give yourself to me, and I will open doors, and I will reward you. Seek me. Be broken.
God is waiting. We need some intercessory in prayer right now, church. Those that pray intercessory, you need to begin to pray. There's a big war on somebody's soul in this room. Hallelujah, God's children are not for sale. There's been too much trafficking in selling the church. There's the trafficker out there who's trying to sell your soul. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. So you may be seated just for a few moments. I don't really have much I could really say what this man had spoken to you about. I had perused a lot of notes in my bubble, things that I've written um, down in prayers many, many times and I never really go back to look at it. But I just kind of went back. I don't know how many years back, but I just written a few things down um, throughout the years. I don't know where I got it from. I don't know if I just this came to my mind. I don't know if I read it. I, I can't tell you. I wish I could give credit to those that deserve credit for it. Um, I, I just don't know where the resource is. It's just, but just, just a few things. But I do want to say, I want to add on to what Brother Chuppie said, and this is something that came to me just a few hours ago. And, and mercy is so vital for your salvation, as Brother Chuppie had mentioned. Um, and somebody needs to start showing mercy. Now, I was reminded of a story in the Kings or Samuel, well, I'll just give you the exact place. It's in 2 Samuel chapter, what, uh, let's see, just bear with me for a moment. It'd be chapter 13 and then going into 14. And this is a very tragic story. But there's something in this story that really I want to bring forth. And in this story, there was brothers and sisters and there were sons and daughters of David, and David had many wives, so these are half-brothers, half-sisters, and one particular brother um, was infatuated with a half-sister, as you know the story, and it was very tragic. And she, he forcibly um, took her, and when, she, when he did, he put her out, and it was a shame and then Absalom found out, and Absalom tried to hide it. He said, don't tell nobody. Now, this was a very sad thing, because not only she was put out, but that she was violated, but then she was put out. And not only she was put out, but the other brothers were supposed to vindicate her. And if he would have vindicated her, she would have had the freedom of, of, of being vindicated and then be able to live amongst other people. But she wasn't, she had to live in shame because her brother that was supposed to defend her did not do it and says, you hide it from everybody. And so she had to wear a garment of violation. And if she was vindicated, she would have been set free of that because everybody would have known that, that she was violated and that didn't happen. So she could not live in this kingdom. And she was, that was a sad story. So Absalom kept it. And he took vengeance, but he took vengeance because nobody knew what he was doing. And he had his brother killed, his half-brother killed. Well, David was very upset. And, they, and so the brothers of that brother wanted to go after Absalom. So Absalom had to flee. Okay, you know the story? And David was grieved. And Joab noticed, and he said, Joab, there's the scripture, he said that David's heart, he, he sensed that there was something in David's heart that still had compassion for Absalom, even though that he did that, there was something in the king's heart that, that he, he, was, he forgave his son of doing all these wrongs. Now, David had the right to put that, had that boy put away. 
And that's what our king did. That's what Jesus is doing today. And if David was capable of doing that, then Brother Chuppy, that mercy is so important. The Bible says in, in the 39th verse of 2 Samuel 13, and the soul of David longed to go for after Absalom. He longed to have him back. God's speaking to somebody in this room. Extend your mercy beyond the violation. Your soul needs to long. Because that's what we do as a Christian. So that's, Brother Chuppie, so eloquent, so well done. <sighs> There's a few things that I've learned where people really exercise their gifts and exercise their gifts in a very inappropriate way and force their gifts in the ministry. And that's a very dangerous spot. And I had to deal with that in my ministry. And it was a very hard and very difficult thing as a pastor because you want these gifts to operate, but yet you notice that the person that's operating is operating for wrong reason. And Brother Chuppy had mentioned this, and I, I wrote this down. And, you know, when, he, when you pray for somebody for healing, there's a proper way of how we approach that. If you do not approach it with compassion, you're praying it wrong. A lot of times we pray for people because we want to see the results, and that results reflects of who we are. And it's the compassion. If we pray for compassion then that's where God can work in. And so we need to sense that. We need to realize that. And a particular couple, uh, is this being recorded? Can you cut this just for a second? Actually, shore up your relationship with God. Because the gift in itself will do the work. You see what I'm saying? God is the one that's going to do the work. So the result is not only, Brother Pastor Paulson, if I'm operating in the gift, it should encourage me to build my relationship with God even greater. And how that is, is that because if it does, and I approach it this way, and then the, then the person that is, those that are being around me that is being affected by that gift is being encouraged, that also encourages me and brings me, it should not elevate me into a position. Two other parts to this, and I'll, I'll just close here because there's so much more. He, he just eloquently did it, man. It was just so wonderful. And so if you are being, and this is what I wrote down, and I, I don't even know when I wrote it. 
I, I, I was just, I, I just, I, had, I have all these things that I write and, and I just wrote this. If you are being used in the gifts, then it, it should encourage you and shore up your relationship with God. Now, it's not a period there. Second part of this is so vital. And your pastor. If you're operating in the gifts, it ought to shore up your relationship with your pastor. It should never be in conflict with the ministry of this church or the church that you attend. It should never be in conflict with your pastor ever. If it is, then you're properly misplacing, misusing that gift. I was always in subjection to Brother Walters. Always. When I, when I was being operating in the gifts of spirit, which I had readily when, when, when Brother Walter, Sister Sandy, Brother Pritchett, you were there, I always submitted to my pastor. I, I looked at him making sure I'm all right with this. Are you all right with this? I mean, I stared at him making sure I'm not out of line because, because it's not my benefit. And I don't want to think that my gift supersedes the pastor. Those are some of the things I learned. And God has trusted me with things, uh, quiet things, personal things about the church. Things that are very vital, very important. They need to be handled in a proper way if I'm going to speak them out to some or to the church and prophetically speak and even in my preaching. Some people want to ask, well, how do you do it? I don't know. Submit yourself. <laughs> I don't know, some people say you're a prophet. I, say, I don't know if I'm a prophet. I'm just talking what I think God wants you to hear. There's a difference. Shoring up your relationship with God, your pastor. We missed something here. Your spouse. If you're married. It better shore up your relationship with your wife or your husband. If there's conflict because of the gift, then you're using your gift wrongly. Wow, that hurts, doesn't it? I'm not in conflict with my wife when I'm in operating of the gift. If I, I, if I, you know, I said, honey, was I like, you know, it's like, was that right? Was that wrong? Did I sense it wrong? I mean, it, it's, it's, it's like, I'm not going to be in conflict. And, watch this, the last thing, not, not, not last, but others around you. If it's causing conflict with people around you, when you're operating in the ministry and your gift, I mean, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about when, um, by the way, let me just stop right here. Can I just do something? <laughs> Correction belongs to the pastor. Because you can destroy people thinking that you are having the gift of correction. By the way, correction is not a fun thing. And it should never be something that somebody else ought to handle in a church. Correction comes from the pastor. Those are some of the things I learned as a pastor. I had to stop some people. 
Okay, moms and dads, you know I'm right. And what I'm about to say, you're going to say, yeah, you're right. Okay, watch this. There was a lady, and, and it's all right, you don't have to edit this part, but she thought she had the ministry of correcting other people's children all the time. That was her gift. I mean, I'm serious. She, they'd be up at the altar, and you know how children are on the altar. They're kind of goofing off and playing. She'd go up there and scold them. And, I mean, verbally, the whole church knew. And I'm just kind of looking at that. I'm looking at the moms and dads, and they're saying, Pastor, do something. Nah, I ain't, ain't going to do nothing. She got the ministry of correction. I know you agree with me on that, right? <laughs> There's no exception to that. It applies all the way down the line. I don't care how much you know about God, how long you've been living for God. Correction comes from the pastor. Is that all right, church? All right, thank you. Is that all right, pastor? I'm sorry if I, I might, you know what? I got you in trouble, man. I don't know. Brother Chuppie, I might have just destroyed everything you taught. I don't know. Have mercy on me. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. Um, there's so much more to say. But Pastor Bishop, he did it. He did it. He nailed it. Thank you, Brother Chuppie. Love you, man. You made me cry, man. I mean, just like so good. Give him a hand, would you? Thank you, Brother Paulson. Amen. Not exactly sure what to say. I gave the title and the verse, but I didn't, I didn't write their notes for them. I didn't tell them what to say. But I do believe that we heard from God. I believe that God spoke to us in several different ways tonight. And some of these were very specific situations and things and uh, I believe, actually, I don't, actually, I know um, without one doubt in my mind that some of the things that were spoken tonight are very specific to just a couple people in this room. And that's the mercy of God, that there are times he will give a message to a man of God just for one sheep. And my prayer tonight is that what was spoke, what was spoken, what was preached, what was taught, would really be received. And I've, I've been in services where, where God has done similar things to this, where literally the, the whole message was for just one person. And I know that several of these things that were spoken were very specific. And that's, that's the mercy of God. So just receive it tonight. Okay, just, just receive it. And these are not easy things. And I, I did not tell these guys to talk about that. And, I, and being the pastor is not, is not something I glory in. I, I do not like to correct people. I don't like... There's a weight that comes with this, but... It, at the end of the day, it's, it's only about people making it. People 
operating in their giftings properly, um, that the church would move forward. That's what this is all about. And uh, I believe that this church is moving forward. I believe there's a lot of great things going on. There's momentum. There's faith. There's just a, there's lives being touched and changed. And uh, I believe that some of these specifics that were spoken tonight are things that could be potential roadblocks to the momentum that we have right now. And I believe God spoke, and we need to receive it. I mean, can we just stand tonight? Let's just, uh, let's just pray in closing that God would just have his hand upon each and every single one of us. Jesus, we love you. God, I thank you for your word tonight. God, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us, God, in specific ways. God, I pray, Lord, that your will would be done, God, in this church. God, that you would touch every man, God, every woman, every mother, every father, God, every family in this place. God, that this church would continue, God, to move forward, God, that you would work out these things in our hearts, God, that there would be a surrendering to you, God, that we would receive the words, God, that were spoken tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for your mercy, God, Lord, and your grace. God, we thank you, Lord, for your correction, God, your reproof, God. In the name of Jesus, God, have your hand upon us tonight, God, that your will would be done. God, in the name of Jesus, God, you've spoken things over this church, God, over this community, God. Lord, we believe that it's going to happen. God, we believe that it's happening right now, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, amen. You're dismissed tonight.